Chapter Four of One Life, One Love by Mary Elizabeth Braddon. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Four. How would she bear it? The public interest in the fate of Robert Hatrell gradually diminished and finally expired before summer leaves were withered and dead, dying for want of nutriment. The crime in Denmark Street had made a profound sensation first because the victim was a man of means and position and above all a man of unblemished character next because it was a shock to society in general to discover that a man of undoubted courage and powerful physique could be assassinated in broad daylight in a decent london street amidst the going and coming of respectable working people and that his murderer could escape unchallenged with his plunder there were a good many leading articles in the newspapers upon this subject the denmark street mystery was served up to the british public which gloats over all such mysteries with every variety of journalistic sauce and the british public were told as they had been very often told before that they were living in a corrupt and degenerate age that such crimes as the denmark street murder were the natural outcome of luxurious habits in the upper middle classes and of unspeakable corruption among the aristocracy whereby the great city of london had become a hotbed of sin in which the criminal instincts of the masses grew and gathered strength to destroy the british public was informed that a wave of crime was passing over england and that a savage lust of blood and gold was in the air and the british public was furthermore called upon to take warning by these monstrous developments of our nineteenth-century civilization and in a general way to mend its manners these voices crying in the wilderness of london life the british public heard with but a languid interest the one fact that did interest society after the natural curiosity as to why and the how of robert atroll's death was the fact that london was not altogether a place devoid of danger to human life even in broad daylight that a man might at any unguarded moment be lured within four walls and stabbed to death there were those who argued that there must have been some dark page in mr hatrell's history or he would not so readily have followed an unknown messenger on the strength of a woman's name there must have been something in the dead man's relations with the woman called antoinette which made it a matter of life and death to him to go wherever she summoned him otherwise bearing in mind that he was on his way to an important business appointment and that he had four thousand pounds in his breast pocket it must needs seem strange that he should be so easily turned aside so argued society shaking its head sagely at dinner-tables where men and women's natural interest in the tragedy of human life sometimes get the better of that chesterfieldian refinement which would exclude sub subjects of conversation from polite assemblies summer was gone and it was late autumn and the outside world had forgotten robert hatrell had forgotten him just when his widow was waking from a long dull dream of agony to the reality of her irreparable loss the woods along the valley of the thames were clothed in russet and gold and clivedon's glades were strewn with fallen leaves the mists of autumn rose in the early evening pale and phantom-like along the river meadows and the tramp of the horses on the towpath and the ripple of the water against the sides of the barge had a ghostly sound in the obscure greyness through which boat and horses came slowly as if moving in secret under the veil of night it was a mild and lovely day at the beginning of october when clara hatrell left the house for the first time since her husband's funeral on the eleventh of july she had insisted on following him to his grave in lamford churchyard and she had borne herself with extraordinary fortitude throughout the funeral service had stood by the grave till the last ceremony had been performed had seen the wreaths of summer flowers laid on the coffin lid and then she had gone quietly back to the house where the happiest years of her married life had been spent 
she had gone to her room without a word save one gentle murmur of thanks to the sister who had been at her side on that trying day her sister followed her upstairs heard her lock the door of her room and after listening outside for some minutes went down to the drawing-room where the clergyman of the parish the family lawyer and ambrose arden were assembled i don't know what to do about clara she said anxiously she has locked herself in her room and i don't feel that it is right to leave her alone yet i don't like to force myself upon her one cannot tell what to do for the best it may be better perhaps that she should be alone with her grief mrs hatrell is a woman of deep religious feeling said the priest she will not be alone she has been borne up wonderfully this day the same power will be with her in the solitude of her room it might be well to leave her alone for an hour or so mrs talbot after a quiet interval of prayer she will better feel the comfort of your sympathy yes i think you are right i will leave her to herself for a time poor dear thing mrs talbot was an elder sister who had married six years before clara made her debut in society she had married a rising physician who had now risen to the fashionable level and was one of the most popular doctors at the west end of london mrs talbot had a nursery and a schoolroom to look after and a widely comprehensive visiting list beginning with duchesses and dwindling down to struggling young women in the musical literary and dramatic line she had an exacting albeit a kind and generous husband and she had so much to do and to think about at home that she had not been able to devote any considerable part of her life to her sister's society she came now in this hour of calamity as an act of duty but she was not altogether in sympathy with the household at riverlawn had not altogether grasped the full measure of love which had ruled between husband and wife and thus could not fathom the depth of the widow's sorrow she had comforted a good many widows in her time and her general experience had been that however they might distress their friends by the intensity of their grief during the first half of the first year of widowhood they generally surprised their friends by their rapid recovery in the second half dr talbot was one of the british public who opined that there was something more than met the eye of the coroner on the coroner's jury in the relations of his deceased brother-in-law with the person called antoinette questioned searchingly by his wife on the subject of his suspicions he replied that the case was obvious enough to any one who could read between the lines and with this occult phrase mrs talbot was constrained to content herself there was no family assemblage to which robert hatrell's will had to be read he had stood almost alone in the world without any relation nearer than second cousins these second cousins expected nothing from him and had made no sign since his death except in the way of letters of condolence to the widow my unfortunate client made his will immediately after his marriage or i should rather say that he executed his will after his marriage for the will was drawn up at the same time as the marriage settlement explained mr melladew the family solicitor he leaves the bulk of his estate in trust for his wife for her life with succession to his children share and share alike as there is only one child she will inherit all at her mother's death the will gives the trustees power to anticipate some portion of the estate with mrs hatrell's consent for the marriage settlement of any son or daughter by a codicil made in the beginning of the last year mr hatrell leaves his house and the land appertaining to it to his wife absolutely with power to purchase conterminous land to the amount of ten thousand pounds out of the corpus of the estate he always hankered after florestan's land poor fellow said mr reardon the rector strange that he should have met his death on the very day when he was to complete the purchase of the adjoining meadows the codicil gives mrs hatrell power to make the addition 
that is a fortunate circumstance fortunate exclaimed the lawyer do you think she will find it in her heart to remain in a place so associated with her husband i hope she will not leave my parish there are people who fly from a spot where they have been happy with those who have been taken from them but there are others who cling to the place where they have loved and been beloved if i am any judge of character mrs hatrell belongs to the latter type and she will remain in the home associated with her husband i believe you are right mr reardon said ambrose arden in his calm leisurely tones looking up from a volume which he had taken as if mechanically from the table near his elbow i believe mrs hatrell's gentle and adhesive nature will find comfort in familiar things after a time i should be very sorry if it were otherwise i should be very sorry to lose so kind a neighbour and above all to lose my dear little friend and pupil daisy poor little daisy sighed the rector what a blessed thing that she is too young to know the extent of her loss or the manner of her father's death that she must never know said arden firmly mr reardon looked doubtful do you suppose this terrible story can be hidden from her always he asked i fear not she may be kept in ignorance of the truth while she is a child under her mother's eye but when she advances to girlhood and mixes with other girls when she goes to school she will not go to school interrupted arden any one would be mad to expose her to the tittle-tattle and folly of a pack of schoolgirls i wonder you can suggest such a thing rector well we will say there shall be no school in her case though for an only child that means a lonely self-contained and not over-healthy girlhood but the time will come when she must mix with other people and go about in the world at home and abroad do you think no officious acquaintance will ever be indiscreet enough to talk to her in pure sympathy about her father's death taking it for granted that she knows all that can be known about it that is a long way to look ahead said arden i hope she will grow up a light-hearted happy girl her mind so well furnished her memory so full of interesting things that should the evil you apprehend ever come to pass she may be strong enough to bear the shock in the meantime i trust that all her friends in this place from the highest to the lowest will do their best to keep her in ignorance of everything except the one fact that she has lost a good and affectionate father while this conversation was going on in the drawing-room mrs talbot was strolling about the garden to get rid of time in accordance with mr reardon's suggestion that it would be well to leave the mourner to herself for an hour or so the lawn and river the flowers and shrubs were in the perfection of their summer beauty clumps of roses hedges of roses standard roses dwarf roses blush roses climbing roses made the glory of the long narrow lawn and between the lawn and the river there was a terrace with green tubs containing orange trees ranged at regular intervals there was a flight of steps leading to the river at each end of the terrace and at the western end with its back to the setting sun there was a summer-house of classic form in portland stone a summer-house which in italy would have been marble at the eastern end of the terrace and on a lower level there was a capacious boat-house containing a couple of outriggers a punt and a skiff and the level roof of this boat-house had been a favourite lounging-place of robert hatrell and his friends a place on which to talk and smoke in the summer twilight as the pleasure-boats went down to henley mrs talbot had seen her husband and the dead man sitting there in close confidential talk on a summer evening after dinner while she and her sister strolled up and down the terrace or stopped to feed the white stately swans on their soft grey cygnets she almost fancied that she could hear the mellow sound of robert hatrell's laughter as she walked there now 
what a joyous frank expansive nature what a happy life wanting nothing that this world can give of comfort and delight endowed with strength intellect good looks fortune perfect health and a wife who adored him and he had been stabbed to death in a shabby london lodging by an unknown hand it was only a fortnight ago that emily talbot and her husband had been dining at river lawn they had gone down for a single night in the very flush of midsummer just to smell the roses just for a few hours respite from london gaieties and london smoke as clara had expressed it in her letter of invitation there had been only the rector and mr arden to meet them the two men now in the drawing-room with the lawyer they had been a most sociable party full of talk hatterell expatiating upon his plans for the arrangement of the land which was soon to be his and in higher spirits than usual there had not been a cloud on the horizon and mrs talbot who loved harley street and all her london pleasures had for once in her life gone back to town reluctantly it is curious that robert and clara can live like hermits in the height of the season she told her husband but really this morning when we were leaving i almost envied them their quiet domestic life in that lovely place and now the bond that held two lives was broken and joy was gone like a dream when one awaketh mrs talbot was pacing slowly along the terrace depressed by these thoughts when a shriek rang out upon the summer air such a cry of agony as her ears had never heard until that hour the sound came from the open window of her sister's bedroom the large bow-window which was one of robert hatwell's numerous improvements she rushed into the house and ran upstairs but quick as she was ambrose arden and the rector were there before her and the former was in the act of breaking open the door as she reached the landing he had implored mrs hatwell to open the door and there had been no answer so he put his shoulder against the panelling and wrenched the door off its hinges clara hatwell was sitting on the floor in the middle of the room with a heap of her husband's letters her lover's letters for they had all been written before marriage scattered about her she sat with her hands clasped upon her knees her eyes fixed and staring into vacancy her dishevelled hair fell about her shoulders in a wild confusion as if her hands had been clutching and tearing at it emily talbot knelt down by her and spoke to her trying to soothe her gathering up the tangled hair with gentle hands pressing tenderest kisses upon her burning forehead but she took no notice her eyes remained fixed in that sightless gaze her fingers were still locked together in the same convulsive grasp she does not know me cried mrs talbot horrified at that awful look which made her sister's face like the face of a stranger oh god she has gone mad for more than six weeks after the funeral clara hatrell lived in the darkness of a distraught brain more than once during that period she hovered on the brink of the grave and there were dismal hours in which her doctor and her nurses lost all hope life and reason were alike in peril and there was many a night when ambrose arden sat in his study trying to read but never able to leave off listening for the football that might bring him fatal tidings during this season of fear he rarely went to his bedroom till the sun had risen above the long level meadows towards henley bridge and often the sunrise found him walking in the lane between his cottage and river lawn it was the dreariest time of his life since the short sharp agony of his young wife's fatal illness he had nothing to distract his mind from the one subject which absorbed him his little pupil had been carried off by her aunt and was at westgate-on-sea with a bevy of cousins all older than herself his son's vacation was being spent with the old grandfather in radnorshire he had planned the visit at the beginning of mrs hatrell's illness 
the lad's company would have been irksome to him in this time of fear he preferred to be alone while he faced the dread possibility of a fatal issue no one could have helped him to bear his agony the agony of fear for the life of the woman whom he had loved in patient subjugation in such perfect mastery of himself as never to have awakened suspicion in those among whom he lived his everyday life ever since he first looked upon her fair young face no one had ever guessed his secret not the husband whose fiery temper would have been quick to kindle into flame had there been but the lightest cause for jealousy not the wife whose purity would have been quick to take alarm at a word or a look not the friends who lived in intimate relations with the family no one had suspected him yes one perhaps had divined his secret one pair of clear candid eyes had read his heart once in a moment of expansion his pupil and playfellow clasped her arms round his neck and murmured in his ear i love you because you love mother End of chapter 4